When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin, and as always, I'm coming to you live from the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, and I got my boy Sarah Bettinger on the other end over there in Omaha, Nebraska. Sarah, how are we doing today, brother? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Doing really well. Just excited. Training camps are all pretty much in full swing right now, so I've been getting some updates. I, I saw some uh, Daniel Jones hot takes earlier. I saw a throw from Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham, and now they're winning the Super Bowl, of course, now that we've seen it. Um on the field at training camp and so you know it's been a it's been a fun day fun filled football packed day yeah are there any more overreactions than uh to the first day of training camps uh opening up especially seeing what the quarterbacks are doing i too saw the daniel jones videos all over social media today not a lot of arm strength being displayed by number eight up there in new york um but i'm sure things will you know loosen up as uh you know the nerves begin to settle down but Mm -hmm. we've got Mm -hmm. a great show here tonight on the nfl mocks podcast we're going to continue as we've been doing for the last six uh five or six episodes here uh with our divisional uh previews for the season we're going to get to the nfc west today getting back to the nfc and then we're going to close out our divisional uh previews with both the teams from the south the afc south and the nfc south next week um, so whether or not you're listening to this on Friday morning, as most of our listeners do, um, we appreciate you guys for listening. And while you're there, like, subscribe, rate, review, you know the deal. Uh, but, Sarah, man, I'm really excited to talk about the NFC West. I think we've got a fairly competitive uh, division out there this year and, you know, a bit of uh, some changeover, some turnover over there uh, in that division as well, my man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man, yeah. And that's one of the best parts about – about football right is the turnover we don't get so much of it so it's kind of fun to it's kind of fun to see that happen you know it's it's definitely not the same as it is in basketball like we've been harping on basketball all off season you know but it is fun to see that and it's fun to it gives teams hope you know it gives the teams that don't have it that's why they always talk about parity in the nfl right and and that roster turnover is a big reason why we have it yeah what is it like 50 percent of the nfl rosters uh, change every single season, I believe, due to free agency trades and whatnot, mainly due to free agency. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's that large of a portion. And, yeah, a lot of teams getting new faces uh, and, and new head coaches, for that matter, as well. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals today. Uh, but for the listeners who don't know what we're doing here, uh, let's give we like to give our superlatives first. Those are our awards for the season, what we think is going to shake out. Uh, simple as best offense, best defense. Best young trio, that's 26 years uh, or younger there. Best roster overall and the oh-so-important category of best quarterback. And then we're going to hit you with our predictions on the way out. And as always, we'll wrap up with you. hate to see it there at the end of the show, so mm-hmm. stick around for that. Sarah will, I'm sure, be complaining about something Broncos-related, I'm sure. If I know anything <laughs> about him, I'm sure he'll find some reporter that, uh, you know, he read this morning that told him the Broncos were going 2-14 and 14 
and I'm sure it made his uh, morning coffee go down just a little bit ripe. What do you say, sir? Yeah, you know, well, you never know what's in store for the. You hate to see it. It could be, it could be real time. You know, it could be a real time event here. So just keep your keep your popcorn ready and your seatbelt buckled. All right, so we're gonna start it off with the best offense. And Sarah, I think we were talking about a little bit of pre-show. This division's a little boring uh, just in terms of these superlatives, so we're going to try to spice it up a little bit, cover as much as we can here, because we really do believe uh, the Los Angeles Rams top to bottom, and I know we don't want to spoil too much, uh, but they do have the best roster. But again, we'll try to make this as entertaining as possible. I want to preface uh, my pick of the Los Angeles Rams by saying this, and uh, it may be a hot take, if you will, but I think all of uh, the McVay offenses and all of his little boy wonders that are sprinkled all across the league are in for a little bit of a surprise this season. I think the rest of the NFL, Sarah, has had just about enough of uh, the talk about this illustrious coaching tree uh, and mm-hmm. this marvelous groundbreaking offense that these guys have put together. I think these defensive coordinators have spent the bulk of the offseason because there are so many of them now. They're sprinkled all across the league. There's four or five of these franchises that are trying to do something similar in terms of offensive sets. I think these defensive coordinators have spent, you know, not, I wouldn't say the bulk of their offense or the offseason, but especially here in the NFC West, these defensive coordinators have been putting in the time and the effort to shut down McVay uh, and this bunch set offense that he runs majority of his, uh, you know, play calls out of. Sarah, I had a Rams fan reach out to me uh, and wager me $100 uh, that this coming up season that Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup would all go over a thousand yards apiece wow. this season. Yeah, um, who do you think wins that bet, Sarah? Uh, just to preface that for the listeners at home who don't know, it's only happened uh, to have three receivers have a thousand yards apiece in one season. It's only happened three times in all of the uh, you know the history of the NFL. So, Sarah, who do you think wins that wager? First off, and then what are your thoughts on the uh, the LA Rams offense? And do you like I think they take a you know not a, a large step back, but a considerable step back this season? Yeah, I think you're easily going to win that bet. I mean, that's we know Jared Goff is not this juggernaut of a, you know, Drew Brees type of passer who's going to throw the ball 50 times a game and rack up the stats like that. I mean, that's just not how it's not how the Rams are built. People are taking Sean McVay's offense way out of context there cuz we know his offense is built around the running game. And the run game sets up the pass for him. We know that for a fact. If any if anyone's going to be the third one going over 1000, I would think it'd be Gurley. You know, Gurley if he's in the if he's in the lineup for the majority of the snaps. But yeah, man, I think you I think you got a really good shot there. And but I do agree. I mean, you gotta you gotta tip your hat to them. They've they've done a great job of scheming offense since Sean McVay got there, which was what, two years ago now. So he's been he's been doing a really good job. But I'm I'm on the train a little bit here and I might sound crazy talking like this. Because I actually think it's a difficult decision between who's the best offense in the division. I think the Rams, the Rams O line took took some shots this offseason, big time. You, you lose Roger Saffold. I know you know he's a really good guard, and John Sullivan, the center, retired. So like that's two of your two of your primary interior pieces, and uh, it's that's a tough loss. Those are tough losses right there. But I think one one unit that got better all around is San Francisco. And they got better at quarterback by default with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from injury. And I'm not one who overrates Jimmy Garoppolo by any means, but I do think he is a good player. And I think Kyle Shanahan, just as much as Sean McVay, has a system that that caters to the players uh, in it. And I think Garoppolo runs it well. And so I think that the 49ers offense has a chance – but I, you want a flaming hot take? I'm going to say that the 49ers offense has a chance to surpass the Rams as the best in the division, and and here's a couple reasons why. Their skill positions are pretty well loaded with guys who can make plays. Uh, both at the catch point and after the catch at every position. You look at guys like George Kittle first and foremost. 
just an absolute beast after the catch led the NFL in yards after the catch per reception last year at any position and and that's incredible when you consider the fact that he had I think it was like 136 targets last year correct me if I'm wrong on that or somebody could fact check me on Twitter or something like that but man George Kittle one of the best in the business at creating yardage after the catch and part of that I would say a large part of that is because of the scheme and now you add guys like Debo Samuel who's a monster after the catch very physical you get Tevin Coleman into the mix an actual featured running back to play in this offense and then you got Matt Breida coming back speedy running back we'll see what Jarek McKinnon can give them and I love Dante Pettis I'm a big fan of Dante Pettis I think he took some big steps forward last year and their O-line is is pretty darn good I know you like McGlinchey at the right tackle I, I oh, really like love later don't worry yeah he is love. He's good, man. So I, I, I like what they've got going on that offense in San Francisco, especially with Shanahan running it. Yeah, you were dead on with uh, George Kittle's targets. He had 136 targets last season, um, quite a step up from 63 targets there uh, in his rookie season in San Francisco. Sir, let me ask you this while we're talking about these offenses, and I do, I do like your pick there of the San Francisco 49ers because – uh, we all know here on the NFL Mox podcast, I am an avid Kyle Shanahan lover, um, a, a big-time believer in what that guy does offensively. Uh, but let me ask you, if, if I were to just tell you, just I know they're not going to be the most explosive offense just in terms of total yardage and numbers put up on the board, but if I had to tell you who's going to go in on Sundays and execute their game plan the best of these four football teams, would you agree with me that just in terms of what that team wants to do, going out and executing it on Sunday in order to bring back a victory, that team for me, because of their quarterback play, uh, has to be the Seattle Seahawks. Would you agree Mm -hmm. that they're probably the best run offense, if you will, just in terms of what they're trying to do and accomplishing what they're trying to do? Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Russell Wilson, he takes the cake by far. And I say that understanding Jared Goff is a pretty good player. He takes the cake by far as the best QB in the division. So we know he's going to have the ducks in a row. And also, you know, what they do on offense isn't all that complicated, right? I mean, they, they... picked up a bunch of guys to go deep at receiver and they they just run the ball with as much force and power as possible so I think they are a pretty effective machine in that regard that they can insert guys and and players like Chris Carson can come in as a seventh round pick and two years later have a thousand yard season it's just that's how they operate as a team and I I like what they do with that and I think that Russell is a big part of that absolutely let's get into our best defense category And, again, we'll try to spice it up here because I believe, uh, just in terms of roster-wise, it is the uh, L.A. Rams here as well. Uh, But I got a little nugget here for you, Sarah. If you had to guess how many players on the Rams roster were over the age of 26, what would you say? How many? uh, Give me a throw throw a number out there. Older than 26. I'll set the over-under at 10. Over 26. Oh, oh, wait, over 26. Over 26, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, I'm going to say – I'll say – Let's say 20. Yeah, the answer is 14. They only have 14 players on their roster that are older than the age of 26, and two of them are their kickers. But listen to some of these names uh, that are up on the older uh, end of this football team. Three of their four corners, Troy Hill, Nikkel Roby Coleman, and Aqib Tlaib are all over the age of 26. Uh, Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald, two of their best defensive linemen, are obviously in their late 20s. And then there's that Clay Matthews guy. He's in his early 30s. And Eric Weddle in the back end as well. So majority of their age on this roster does uh, lie there on the defensive end of the football. But that being said, uh, just with the sheer dominance that Aaron Donald's going to bring, I still believe in Michael Brocker's football game. Uh, Clay Matthews is going to add a little bit. This defensive back crew I absolutely love, especially with John Johnson back there. And the addition of Taylor Rapp I think is very, very important. Uh, And it allows Eric Weddle to kind of, you know, avoid – playing in the back end of this defense. He can play a little closer down uh, to the line of scrimmage where his you know, older skill set might be a little more advantageous. Um, and I, I do believe Marcus Peters is going to take a major step forward this year. I know he kind of had a down year last year, but he was dealing 
a lot of people forget, man. He was dealing with a high ankle issue, uh, playing through most of that the majority of the season. And for people who haven't done that, man, especially at the cornerback position, I'm never going to tell you I've been out here locking <laughs> down wide receivers playing the corner position. But I'm going to tell you right now, ankle stability and ankle support is probably a pretty damn important thing out there on that island. So expect for right. Marcus Peters to be playing a lot better this year. I love this defense. I, I, let's, let's take it back. I really like this defense. I wouldn't go as far as to say I love it because uh, I do think there's some disciplinary issues just in terms of, uh, you know, gap fits. That's why you see this football team give up, you know, a lot of bulk rushing yards uh, to some football teams. I know they were rushed on for more than 200 yards multiple times last season, even with Ndamukong and Sue uh, in the middle of that defense. A lot of that's because he's got some sack-hungry defensive linemen, which is all fine and dandy, um, but you better be – uh, sound and discipline. That's what makes New England Patriot football so great and so successful. It's, uh, you know, being disciplined and knowing your gaps and knowing your assignments. But just in terms of roster build, it's got to be the L.A. Rams for me. What are your thoughts, Sarah? Yeah, I actually was thinking about this the other day, kind of looking through some some stories I could write about and things that were going on with each of these teams. And I actually, I'm going to go against the grain here. I know that the Rams have they got Wade Phillips calling the shots. They got Aaron Donald up front. That's two pretty big time pieces right there. But overall, I just I'm not a huge fan of of their the middle of that defense, including yeah. the the linebacker positions and off the edge. I don't like the I don't like what they have there. I don't like the Clay Matthews pickup. I don't I don't like what they did off the edge, and I definitely don't like them losing Indomitian Sue, who definitely helped make Aaron Donald a more effective player. I think that those are big, big losses for them, uh, or not. That's one big loss for them in their edge situation is just kind of a subtraction by addition type of thing because Clay Matthews wasn't getting it done for the last few years in Green Bay, and so I don't. I just don't think you bring him in, and he does much for me. I like a lot what the San Francisco 49ers have done. And I know I just picked them for best offense. I'm not trying to say this, the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender, but by golly, I think I think Richard Sherman said that they are today or yesterday or someday this week. I think he was talking about it. And they really they when you look at them on paper, man, look at this starting defense right here. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, D Ford, Fred Warner, Quan Alexander. I mean, you got Richard Sherman back there. Akella Weatherspoon had a breakout year. I mean, this is a group of guys that has taken a huge step forward. I think you pick up D Ford and Nick Bosa and Quan Alexander this year, and then you get Richard Sherman back healthy. This is a heck of a group that the 49ers have. If they can keep them healthy, their depth isn't that great. But I mean, man, you add those type of guys up front on a defense in your front seven, like Quan Alexander is one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. One of the best in coverage when he's fully healthy. Fred Warner, I thought had a really underrated rookie season playing off the ball for, for the 49ers, and then I love the Nick Bosa-D Ford pairing off the edge to go with those twin trees, the former Oregon Ducks stars, Armstead and Buckner. That, that's a really good-looking defense, and then Solomon Thomas could be your first guy off the bench, or you trade him for some draft assets, whatever. And then the, the addition of Jason Verrett, you never know what he's going to bring to the table with you know health-wise. But, man, he's a talented lockdown type of corner if you get him fully healthy. And so I just I think the pieces are all there. If they can if they can stay mostly healthy, which they didn't last year, they could be the best defense in this division. Yeah, so I know Nick Bosa could, you know, hold his own against the run uh, in college there. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to immediately walk in day one and be, you know, an all-around player. Uh, I, I know you expect him to be. You draft him second overall. And I know we talked about him being a four-down defensive end. Um, but he's definitely got some things to learn uh, in terms of, you know, stopping the run. It, it is going to be rather important. Um, as for D. Ford, we know he can't do it. Um, it's never <laughs> been in the car. It's never been in the cards for him. Yes, he'll pin his ears back on a third and long. Um, just like you had questions about the middle of that defense, I kind of have questions about the edge of this defense um, just in terms of being able to stop the run, like I said. I know Solomon Thomas and DeForest Buckner are going to hold their own there in the middle, and I know Warner's going to be able to make tackles. Quan Alexander, nobody makes uh, – you know, no one's had more missed tackles uh, since 2015 than that guy, and I think he's almost doubled 
uh, whoever's in second. Now, you could also take into consideration that he's still been a 100-plus tackles guy every year he's healthy, um, which just kind of tells you that, him, yeah, he has a lot of missed tackles because he seems to have more opportunities than anybody else in the league because he is that fast. So there's that, um, but we'll see what he looks like post a major knee injury there. Now, you mentioned some of these corners. I'm, I'm not so hot on, uh, on what Richard Sherman might have left. Um, this defensive backfield, to me, is the primary point of concern um, when you're talking about their defense. But, you know, if I were to go against the grain, as you say, uh, and not pick the L.A. Rams, um, you know, I kind of got to look over there uh, to Seattle, if anything, just for what Bobby Wagner brings to the table and K.J. Wright. Quick, Sarah, better one-two uh, punch at linebacker. If, uh, you know, I'm holding, I got pocket aces in Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. Uh, do you have anything that could possibly surmount me, my man? Um, currently, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, maybe Keekley and Shaq Thompson, maybe Roquan and Danny Trevathan. Back in the back in the early 2010s, how about Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis? Same division. Ooh, yeah. um, we got to see those guys together with Wagner and Wright for a few years there. So I definitely like that duo there. That's a pretty good one. All right, but... Uh... You know, so if, if I were to pick another defense, I think I would go Seattle. Um, but you know what? I'm cool with you showing the San Francisco 49ers a little bit of love. I mean, that's fine yeah. uh, here. You know, and, and to be honest with you, the Arizona Cardinals are putting together what looks like on paper to be a fairly deep, decent defense. I know Chandler Jones is still Chandler Jones out there. I know he wasn't necessarily playing uh, – hasn't been playing necessarily inspired football the last couple of years, but he's still – putting it down you bring Terrell Suggs over Robert and Kim Dietschy, they spent a ton of draft capital on him the defensive tackle out of Ole Miss um, if he's ever gonna pop it's gonna have to be now because I'm pretty sure he's coming up on a contract year DJ Swearinger is still in the back end of that defense um, which if I'm a receiver coming over the middle of the field I don't know if there's a safety uh, strong safety that potentially scares me more uh, than DJ Swearinger and then Jordan Hicks man Jordan Hicks has been an incredible linebacker when he's on the field. That's been the problem uh, in four seasons in Philadelphia. I think he only played like 24 games or something like that. And, again, I'll call for a fact check just like Sarah did um, on that one. And Patrick Peterson obviously still on the field there for Arizona. So, um, you know, if there is one bright spot of the Arizona Cardinals roster, I would have to say it's their defense and you got Byron Murphy, so um, the young corner out of Washington State. So I love that as well. Mm -hmm. Best young trio, Sarah. I'll let you start because I don't believe you're going with mine. Um, but if you do, we can fight. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go with yours either. Gosh, this is this is actually a division that it was kind of hard to it's kind of hard to pick one. I mean, yeah, it's not really like obvious. A, little, a lot older here. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really an obvious pick. I don't think. Um, I really like, oh gosh, I'm going to, I was going to say something about the 49ers again, but I'm trying to improvise on my feet cause I don't want to pick everything 49ers. You know, I, I really liked Kyler Murray coming out and I think that he is one of the best prospects that I've seen at the position in, in recent years. I mean, even considering his size. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the group of Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, and um, and my boy Byron Murphy back there for this for the Arizona Cardinals. I know they're not proven, but if I I mean if you're looking up and down this division at, at assets, you know if you're looking at young assets, I think the Cardinals have a pretty good one, pretty good group there with those three guys. I think Christian Kirk is a really underrated player. He had a good rookie season in my opinion, despite Love the lack of success for. Yeah, he's he's a good player, man, and he was. He was really good at Texas A&M. I was kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised he didn't go first round. So uh, I'm I'm all about the Kyler Murray train. I like that he's going to be his number one target. Hopefully sooner than later will be Christian Kirk. I know Fitzgerald is still out there, but then on that on that Cardinals defense, Byron Murphy is going to be the centerpiece. I mean, we got Patrick Peterson is suspended for what six eight games this year, so. It's going to be a while before he's on the field, and so we'll see a lot of Byron Murphy getting those looks against uh, wide receiver ones for other teams. So those would be my that'd be my top three right there. I think. All right, I think I've got a pretty strong three uh, coming your way here from 
your beloved San Francisco 49ers, Sayre. Uh, hey. The converted, the converted 49er homer. Um, but no, my three guys, <laughs> the, the best young player in this division, I think, hands down, and I really don't think there's an argument to be made right now. Um, it is Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey had probably the best rookie season we've seen at right tackle in quite a long time. Um, I would say for an offensive lineman, the best rookie season I've seen was Zach Martin. Uh, the year he was drafted with Ezekiel and Dak Prescott, I believe all three of those guys were their top three mm-hmm. picks in uh, 2016. Uh, and then they had an incredible season that year. Zach Martin dominated a, as a rookie. We saw um, – uh, what's what's Nelson's name over there in Indianapolis? We saw him. Have um, yeah, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. We saw Quentin have an incredible uh, rookie campaign there in Indianapolis. By the way, that Quentin Nelson has an absolute barrel chest. I had the pleasure of meeting him. In <laughs> yeah. A rather, rather large human being. But anyways, back to Mike McGlinchey. Incredible, incredible rookie season. I expect nothing but even better things uh, from him this season. I'm talking about a six foot seven. 315-pound guy who was crafted and molded for the outside zone uh, scheme and system. Sarah, he's incredibly athletic and light on his feet. Uh, If you just – young offensive lineman, if you want to know and learn how to run the outside zone, just go watch Mike McGlinchey tape there in San Francisco. Now, on to the second best young player in this division is George Kittle, the tight end there just in his third season. He's under 26 years of age, and then we'll wrap it up with DeForest Buckner. But I think you can kind of take your pick there if you if you like Solomon Thomas over DeForest Buckner because you feel um, Solomon's you know due for a, a good season as DeForest had last season. I'm not going to fight you there, um, or if you mm-hmm. even wanted to take Nick Bosa, I don't think any of those guys are necessarily bums. Um, but the two guys there in San Francisco really uh, you know weighed heavily in this decision for me. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, George Kittle, and DeForest Buckner. My best young trio in this division. And I appreciate you going off the cuff and uh, not picking 49ers. Even though if you're a 49ers fan and you for some reason found this podcast and you saw, hmm, NFC West prediction, I bet they just trash on my 49ers. No, man, we hyped them up, especially Sarah. I've got a sneaky feeling Sarah's Sarah's predictions uh, are going to be rather favorable. Uh, for your 49ers but Mm -hmm. let's get Mm -hmm. into the best roster overall before we get into the best quarterback conversation Sarah Um, I think you know at least you hit on pretty heavily there with the 49ers Um, but my best offense and best defense were the LA Rams so it's safe to say that is my pick for best roster but you know again I highlighted some of the you know I told you they only had 14 guys over the age of 26 but you know Seven or eight of those 14 guys are really, really, really important and, uh, you know, major contributors for this football team. So this roster could turn over a little bit in the next coming years. Who's your best roster, sir? Yeah, I think for me it is the it is the 49ers right now. I just think their collection of young Hey-o. talent, you just, you just mentioned it. I mean, you just mentioned that trio right there of, of Kittle, McGlinchey, and then take your pick on defense. They've got a lot of good young players other than those guys even. I mentioned Pettis earlier, Debo Samuel, although unproven, still a very good young player. <clears throat> They've just got the pieces there that I, I like what they're doing. Fred Warner, I think it's a really good piece. So I think their roster up and down. I, I'm intrigued by their playmakers on offense. I think their offensive line is solid. I think that their running backs are way better than they were last year, especially if they get McKinnon back healthy. Their defense looks so much better on paper. It's It might be the most staggering year-to-year difference of any defense in the league for this this coming season. So I'm not sure any defense was improved more than theirs was. I know I think the the concerns you brought up are are definitely valid. So the, those are definitely things to take into consideration, but just on paper that defense looks a lot better and I don't I just don't see I look at the Arizona Cardinals roster, it's pretty pathetic. I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks roster, and their offensive line is just garbage. And I went French with that one just because it, it deserved it. And uh, the defense is not looking much better. And they're, one of their best young defensive players was just suspended. Um, I believe that was Jaron Reed uh, who from Alabama who was just suspended. So you lose one of your best defensive players. Ziggy Ansah, he's injury prone. I thought the LJ Collier pick was, I mean, way, way reach, big time reach. 
and their secondary just doesn't do it for me, especially with Earl Thomas not there. So I don't know, man. I, I just, with the Rams so long in the tooth defensively and their offensive line taking some hits this offseason, I think on paper I like the 49ers the best. How about that right there? I don't think anybody would have predicted that just a couple of seasons ago. Um, and now, I mean, I've seen, I've, I think Vegas has them at nine wins this year. I think is their overall total there in mm-hmm, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So rather big expectations uh, for a front office and coaching staff that's, I wouldn't say under the heat because they did sign a six-year deal when they first took on there in San Francisco. And this will be, I believe, their fourth season. So they still got a little bit of breathing room, man. But it's almost put up or shut up time there uh, in San Francisco. And yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. had a chance to mold and shape this roster as much as you possibly could. I mean, hell, it seems like San Francisco has had a, a top five or top ten pick every year for the last five seasons. So um, if they don't start now, granted, four of those five picks, it seems like they took interior defensive linemen, but that's an argument for a whole other show. Um, I'm, I'm okay with your pick there, Sarah. I just don't know if I see it in terms of uh, wins and losses totally at the end of the year. We'll get to that in our predictions. But best quarterback in the division, Sarah, I know we hit it on already. It is Russell yeah. Wilson. But let, how do you see the other three guys shaking out in this division, uh, the other three starters? And most importantly, where do you rank Blake Bortles? Ooh, Bortles. I mean, gosh, we need to pull up a Bortles fact. Yeah, garbage. Where do, where do you rate Blake Bordelais? Bordelais. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up the latest Blake Bortles facts. Okay, so Blake Bortles facts says that Blake Bortles is undefeated against Patrick Mahomes in 30 of the NFL's 31 stadiums. So he's. I mean, that's a that's a fact right there. How about how about this for another one here? <clears throat> I love these. These are so funny. Have you ever have you ever checked out this account? No, but I know the, what you're the Blake about. Bortles yeah. facts. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very very funny. So he's got all sorts of stuff here. Um, gosh, I just need to pick a good I'm sure one. Here. one they're of them they're is Brady so good. Is it, is it yeah, those those Brady, are the best, except for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Here's well, I, this one's not about Brady, but this one's really funny. Um, Super Bowl losses: Blake Bortles zero, his teammate Jared Goff one. So, I mean, <laughs> you've got you've got zero Super Bowl losses on on the Bortles resume in comparison to his new uh, new starting quarterback that he's playing with. But man, I I gotta go with Goff as number two in this division at the quarterback position. I know that he doesn't do everything super well. And uh, obviously he kind of crumbled a little bit last year uh, in the Super Bowl against a really good defense, and he did the same thing against Vic Fangio's defense. So you go up against two of the most well-run defenses in the league, and and Goff's physical ability is not good enough to dig you out of the hole. I think that really exploited him a little bit as a former number one pick who's maybe potentially uh, just a really good system QB, and that's okay. I think that's that's fine for him to be that, but... uh, just a not quite the next level type of guy that we've seen from, you know, like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson to speak of him specifically. And I think the number three QB for me, man, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Jimmy until we see Kyler do something. I think Kyler's number four, but I, I would not be surprised if he was all the way up at number two by season's end. I just think he's that talented, that dynamic. And I love the, the, the division has two of the most exciting quarterbacks with the ball in their hands. Like, can you think of, can you think of a division that has two QBs that when they have the ball, you're like, all right, I, I can't wait to see what happens right now. I mean, when Russell Wilson has the ball and when Kyler Murray has the ball, like eyes are tuned in. So when those Seahawks and Cardinals games come up, man, that's going to be fun. We might even get that one on a Thursday night. Big timer, you know? I was definitely thinking Marcus Mariota um, and Nick Foles for sure. Ooh. Those two guys, those two guys make me really, really excited. I mean, hell, Marcus <laughs> Mariota might throw a ball and catch it and then run it in for a touchdown. No one else yeah. in the history has anyone else done that. I don't think so. I'm, I actually Blake Bortles no perhaps ever done it. No, Blake Bortles hasn't scored a playoff <laughs> touchdown while throwing and receiving said ball. The same ball. <laughs> Marcus Mariota, only guy to ever do it. Uh, and came back from 21 points down against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sarah, do you not remember? I remember. Um, 
No, I'm not. I'm not here for the Mariota look. But I'm <laughs> I see the quarterbacks here uh, the same way, man. Wilson's uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. Goff right there at uh, we'll call it two A and Garoppolo at two B. Um, I think the ceiling uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo in that Kyle Shanahan offense is just a little bit higher than what uh, Jared Goff's working with there in L.A. And then, like you said, man, I don't think there's a uh, there's more of a boom and bust prospect we've you know had in the last five or ten years coming to the NFL other than Kyler Murray I think you're gonna get one or two things you're gonna get uh you know a guy that might be on the doorsteps of an MVP race within a uh you know uh, a season or two similar to what we saw with Patrick Mahomes or you're gonna get a guy that's probably gonna be back at spring training um in the next three or four years we really don't know what we're gonna get yet I think that's what makes it so fascinating so entertaining there in Arizona, and again, that's not even to mention uh, the turnover that they've got there at the head coaching position uh, with what Cliff Kingsbury brings in. Let's get into these predictions, Sarah. The NFC West, who wins it, and how do you see it shaking out, my man? I think the Rams are going to win this division again, but I do think it's going to be tough for them because of the losses that they've had this offseason. I mean, it's it's tough to repeat in the NFL at anything, anything that you do well and I don't think that there's any shortage and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong about this but I don't think there's any shortage of Super Bowl losers who have really fallen off the map the year after they lose the Super Bowl and I just think that there's kind of this I don't know there's just so much hype around this LA Rams team there's so much I mean Sean McVay's barista at Starbucks is getting looks as the new head coach of the next you know NFL team with an opening and it's all these things that are just coming to a head, and then you lose the Super Bowl, and you really get – I mean, they, they on the biggest stage possible, they were exploited. So would you be surprised at all to see them not on top of the NFC West this year just by virtue of just the way that things go over the course of history? We know that history – tends to repeat itself and so and the Rams are not immune to that they're not immune to kind of just the ebb and flow of the NFL so they're gonna have to work really hard and Gurley's injury last year and his uh and the the pick of Daryl Henderson for them indicates to me they're not confident that he's gonna be able to carry the ball 250 times this year so I just think the Rams are gonna look so different and, and they're getting so much older on defense I just I don't know. I'm not confident. So I'm taking the Rams with 10 wins and I think that they're going to have the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers nipping at their heels at 9 wins apiece. I know I picked two 8-win teams last last episode when we were talking about the AFC East, but uh, I think that this NFC West is going to have some competitive some competitive teams and mainly because of the quarterback play, I think, and the and the offensive scheme that that Kyle Shanahan brings to the table. I think Wilson carries that Seahawks teams to nine wins and Kyle Shanahan's group. If they can stay healthy, I think they are good for nine wins. And then I see Arizona rounding it out with maybe four or five wins. I don't think they're bad enough to lose, you know, 16 games or anything like that. I think that Kyler Murray's worth at least a couple wins if he pans out. And I think he will. So I'm going to say four or five wins for the Cardinals. All right. I think we see it shaking out in a similar facet. Um, I'm with you in the fact that I don't see the L.A. Rams winning 13 games like they did last season. Uh, Call it attrition, call it boredom, call it uh, Super Bowl loss hangover, call it whatever you want. Um, The L.A. Rams take a small step back this year, 11-5. And and then I've got the Seattle Seahawks coming in second, uh, definitely securing a playoff berth here at 10-6. And And I was just kind of thinking about it, Sarah. This, you know, if they're not careful, they might have a career trajectory uh, with Russell Wilson that's oddly similar to that of Aaron Rodgers. You know, get a, they mm. get a Super Bowl early there in his career, and then they pay the quarterback, and, and slowly the roster starts to deteriorate, and seemingly every single year it doesn't matter uh, as long as Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, for that matter, is healthy. Everyone seemingly believes they can drag their football team to a 10-6 and or an 11-5 and record. Um, and, you know, I just – I think they keep missing, like we talked about in some of these draft picks uh, there in Seattle. And I know they've kind of hit on pretty much every defensive line pick they've ever made, um, but we still didn't like the LJ Collier pick. Um, I, I think that was pretty well industry disliked, if you will. I know we like the DK Metcalf pick, but that's all, um, again, uh, an argument for a previous show uh, in terms of draft 
grades, but I think the Seattle Seahawks are in a similar situation as the Green Bay Packers have been in the last, you know, five to seven years since their previous Super Bowl. Uh, just a roster that's kind of average with a super talented quarterback, an out-of-this-world talent at the quarterback position that lofts them into a good franchise there uh, at 10-6. and six. Now, as for the San Francisco 49ers, you seem to believe they have the best roster in this division, Sarah. I don't quite see it yet. I think they're still another season away. Some of those weapons are just a tad too young. Dante Pettis didn't show me anything last year as a rookie that would make me believe he's going to take a massive step this year in year two. Still, man, if you're relying on Marquise Godwin uh, to be, or excuse me, Goodwin to be one of your primary targets, man, that's pretty shaky there. Um, so, honestly, I see the San Francisco 49ers hovering somewhere around 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, You know, if they pushed for a playoff spot at 9-7, I wouldn't be shocked. Again, we're talking about coin flips in two football games at that point. And I, I do believe the Cardinals bring up the rear here at 4-12, and 12, uh, just like you. I, I agree, Kyler Murray's worth a couple of games there alone. So that's the way I see it. Sarah, you hate to see it, baby. What do you got for <laughs> me tonight? You hate to see it, and, and you're going to really hate to see it if you're a Patriots fan. I was talking with someone the other day. Uh, and this is gonna drive. This will drive people nuts if they actually listen about uh, listen to me here for a second. Okay, so the New England Patriots. Let me let me just bring you to something here. Tom Brady is in a contract year. Okay, and that really isn't concerning for anybody. It's not really a thing that anyone brings up because you know what? Tom Brady always gets his contract done. He always gets his stuff. He always gets what he wants. He always does, you know, he always does the Patriots a little bit of a favor, that type of thing. I'm here to tell you right now that Tom Brady, here's a theory for you. Tom Brady hits free agency. Let's just go hypothetical for a second. Tom Brady hits free agency. Do you know, do you happen to know where Tom Brady's from? Um, he's from LA, isn't he? Buena Vista. He's from he's from California. San Mateo is where he, it says he was San born, Mateo. but he is a Cali boy. Tom Brady is a Cali Shaka boy Brown. who played his college ball in Michigan. So here's my theory, okay? The best roster in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers, they take a step forward this year. But maybe what if they take uh, what if they take a slight step forward, but at the same time Jimmy Garoppolo struggles again with his health. Jimmy Garoppolo has an easy out for the 49ers and his contract after this year. And here's where I'm connecting these dots. Brady's contract expires. He moves out west to play QB for the team he grew up rooting for. Obviously a big 49ers fan being out there in California. You can Google that. Figure it out for yourself. Tom Brady resurrects the franchise that he grew up rooting for after getting bored with all the success that he's been having in New England. And out in New England, Belichick decides to retire and uh, and McDaniels inherits the franchise and brings back his golden boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, to take oh, over I the Patriots together. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, but break. they tried that. They tried that once. They did try that, but I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying, think crazy things have happened in the NFL. If you had, if you had said in 2009, okay, in, uh, in two years or three years, Peyton Manning is going to be playing for a different team. People would have slapped you in the face and told you you were insane, but things happen, man. Things do happen. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if Brady, if he wants to move back to California permanently for the rest of it, you know, after he retires or whatever, why not go out there and play for the team that you grew up rooting for and become one of two quarterbacks to ever win a title with with two different teams? And Peyton Manning, obviously the other one to do that. So you just never know, man. You never know. And if you're a Patriots fan, you would definitely, definitely hate to see it. But I'm just I, – I thought that was an interesting theory floated out there, and I don't think it's impossible with the, the Patriots roster. We mentioned it. It's not that great. And the 49ers is on the rise. So long story think, short, you would hate to I see it. Your, uh, I think your, you know, your theory here uh, would make you know, just a little bit more interesting if Belichick stayed on and he played the long con – of sending Jimmy to San Francisco <laughs> with it, you know, underwriting that they would ultimately send him back when uh, Belichick sent Brady out there as well. Yeah, now, yeah, that, yeah. That would be a story I'd be all over. Now, Sarah, a story I hate to see myself 
And as a listener and as a lover of college football, you should hate to see it as well. Look, the LSU Tiger football program uh, went, as we say, as the kids say these days, viral last week with their new $28 million addition uh, to their locker room down there at the school. Yes, that's right, Sarah. $28 million. um, And, you know, as we always turn these conversations into and as they should always be steered into – um, my question is, you can afford, obviously, it's simple math there, you can afford to uh, make a $28 million reservation. And, and here's the deal, Sarah. If you go to any major, uh, you know, Power 5 football conference uh, or football program across the country, I don't care whether it's Tulane, um, I, I don't think they're Power 5. I don't care. Let's, let's take it here. I don't care if it's Utah. I don't care if it's the University of Texas. I don't care if it's the University of Tennessee. Any Power 5 conference and school you want to attend go there in the summer and tell me if you don't see millions and millions and hundreds of millions millions of dollars being thrown at renovations on these college campuses now these football programs and these college football coaches will tell you that they need these new facilities that it's all about a facilities and arms race in order to you know captivate the attention of these young football players these highly touted uh, recruits in order for Georgia to get the best recruits they need the best facilities just like Alabama needs the best facilities and yada 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 well all in all they'll pay you know the 28 million dollars for the new facility in the uh, the locker room they'll pay Nick Saban 10 million dollars they'll give Dabo Sweeney essentially a lifetime contract out there in Clemson meanwhile all of the free labor all of the young men uh, that are literally breaking their backs on Saturdays for the product seemingly only get paid um, with their tuition. Now, what you can say is that some of these guys are getting paid under the table. That is not the point of this discussion. The point of this discussion is the fact that they keep hiding all this money in all these facilities, Sarah, when it would just be easier, in my mind, I don't know about yours, Sarah, would it just be easier to give some of that money uh, to some of these young men uh, while they're in exchange for their services while they're on campus, my man. Hey, you would think so, man. I mean, twenty-eight million divided by if, if you got a hundred players, that's two hundred eighty k for every player. If you just divide that up between a hundred players, I'm sure those players won't be sleeping in their lockers easy if they quick do that math. I, I know we're running a little long here, but uh, Sarah, let me run my full uh, conspiracy theory by me or by you. And, and since we are running a little late here. Maybe no one's listening, and the FBI won't come down uh, and shoot me tonight. Um, Sarah, do you think any of these contracts that they, uh, you know, bid out, let's say Georgia needs a new, just actually let's take LSU, that $28 million uh, facility, that brand-new facility, do you think any of that money that's covered in that $28 million contract might actually be making its way back to the players? Because though the contract value for uh, the building may say $28 million, what if it only cost about $20 million to make, and then all of a sudden LSU has $8 million worth of cash flow sitting around that they can disperse to their players? Do you think maybe these D1 players or these D1 programs, do you think that's possibly how they're funneling all this money? Because these are major contracts we're talking about and major dollar values. I'm pretty sure an athletic director can figure out a way to you know smuggle a couple hundred thousand dollars to his best players through some of these contracts. What do you think about that conspiracy theory, my man? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Anything like that is a possibility. You know, these guys, it, it, it can't be, I just, I've, I've turned such an ignorant eye to this stuff through the years, you know, because you don't want to hear, you don't want to hear that guys are doing, doing the wrong thing. But at the same time, like I'm for the players getting paid. And so like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if these kids were getting paid. But then again, you'd have to hear it from the players. Cause I know some NFL guys, from big colleges have come out and said like no like I don't care what they say like we weren't getting we weren't getting paid I know uh, like Sua Cravens for sure has come out and said like that you because people people just assume like well a college like USC of course they paid their players you know and he's like adamant that they did not and I know he'd protect I'm sure he would protect USC in that regard but at the same time like he's but he's the he's also the guy that sold out the Washington Redskins, a team that definitely did pay him quite a bit of money. So, I mean, he, I don't know. There's just certain guys like that that you're kind of like, 
I don't know, they they seem to tell the truth more often than not. But, I mean, you never know when it comes to their college. Like, they're so prideful of that. And they wouldn't want to throw them under the bus. But you never know. I mean, some guys probably just wouldn't care, you know, unless the checks no. are still rolling in. Yeah, I mean, the Sewer Cravens example, I mean, the, you know, Washington Redskins were messing with his body, um, which ultimately is his money-making machine. Um, so if you mess with his body, you're messing with his cash. Um, if he were to go snitch on USC, uh, that would be messing with everybody else's cash. And Sua don't seem like no snitch to me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, again, uh, man, you hate to see it. All that money, just give a couple, a couple G's, man. That's all I'm asking. Throw the man some yeah. money so they don't have to go eat McDonald's uh, late night when they're hungry. I mean, they're, the, the, let's get rid of this scam of their student-athletes um, if you've ever been a student athlete, especially at the collegiate level, um, you are absolutely 1,000% an athlete first. School becomes a distant, very, very distant second, especially if you're at a Power 5 school. Um, and if you're ignorant to that, maybe you need to come around to that a little bit more. It's not like the 70s and the 80s anymore where a college degree was the most important thing, and that was actually enticing for these guys to go to college and play this football. Um, these guys are risking their life for a chance at the NFL, not a chance at a communications degree. Uh, and I think it's very important not to get those twisted. So, Sarah, send the folks out, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us. Thanks for listening to, you know, a couple of hard, heavy-hitting topics here tonight. We're talking about college athletes getting paid. We're talking about Tom Brady, you know, following in Joe Montana's footsteps and playing for the 49ers. We're talking about all sorts of stuff, NFC West style here on this episode. So if you would, feel free to leave us a comment, positive or negative. We want to we wanna interact with you. We just want to know your thoughts. But please leave a rating uh, if you're listening on whatever platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, wherever you're listening, leave us a, a review and subscribe to us and get those alerts on your phone so you know when the latest episodes are out. We're consistent pretty much through the summer. I mean, I feel like we've done a pretty good job, Brooks, of being consistent through the summer. Yeah, a couple pat on your back, baby. A couple pat days here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A couple days here or there, you know, where we're, you know, like, you know, it's June and th- what there's no football happening. So, but anyway, we really appreciate being able to interact with all of you and to bring content uh, at all times. And here we go. Football season starting up. Training camps are going. So we appreciate you, the listener, and we're excited for the coming season. Joe Montana was a quarterback, you idiot. I said Joe Montana. <laughs> <laughs> one, right, of the best, guys, one of the best. One of the best. One of the absolute best movies ever. We'll see you guys. Uh, hope you have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you Monday night. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.